Okay, so we are already in 117A1. We are, let me just remind you, because the whole beginning of today is a continuation of yesterday. What basically, uh, in, we saw initially a Brighta that an argument between Rabbi Shmuel that he holds that on uh, Pesach, when it's on a Shabbos, you can only flay the hide of the Pesach offering until halfway onto the chest, just to be able to get out the innards to bring to the altar. And you cannot do anything else besides that until Shabbos is over. And the rabbis hold, no, you can already skin the korban completely. So initially in the Abraisa only seems to be one argument because on Shabbos you're allowed to skin an animal. So as long as you did what it was needed for the Pesach offering, once you finish it, you have to stop. And according to Hamin, once you started, you can finish. <clears throat> but then, towards the end of the daf yesterday, <clears throat> the Gemara added that there's a second argument over here. And it's not only, according to Rabbi Ishmael, you cannot continue flaying the animal, but you also cannot even move it. It's mukse. You don't need it anymore. You cannot do anything with it. And this is the extra second thing that's not in the Brisa, but the Gemara added that Chachamim argued with him <clears throat> and the fact that he brought a proof from our Mishnah that if a Sefer Torah is getting, there's a fire with the Sefer Torah, you can carry out even if the covering has coins on it and even though they are mukse. So that's what we're holding. We tried one answer, they rejected it. So we are in the, in the second paragraph, about seven lines into page 117 A1. Rather, this is what the rabbi said to Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Yochanan ben Baroka. If the Allah says that person might save the container of a Torah scroll together with the scroll, and even though there's money on it, should we not be permitted to move the hide on account of the meat? Now, this seems to be a repetition of something that we saw yesterday, as I made just the summary. And the go the, it seems to be like the Gemara is going back on itself, kind of. But if you look in the footnote number two, they explain what's going on over here. So the Gemara says, and in the, um, where it says, the Rishonim answer that at this point, I'm in the footnote number two, that at this point, the Gemara understands that when something is a base to a mukse and to a non-mukse item, so in a normal circumstance, both the base and the non-mukse item will become also mukse. Consequently, 
if the Mishnah still permits moving the container with the money, so there were three things. The container is a basis, is a basis. Then you have a non-mukse, which is the Torah scroll, and a mukse, which is the money. And at this stage, the Gemara assumes that even the Sefer Torah should become a mukse, and the basis also because of the money. And it, nevertheless, the mission says you are allowed to move it in order to save, to save the Sefer Torah. So we see that the mukse might be moved for the sake of the honor of God. So that is what the Chachamim are presenting over here. That when the Gemara in its question speaks of the movement of the high on account of the meat, they don't really mean to say in account of the meat. Because we just saw at the beginning of this page, yesterday, the last thing, that also the meat is mukse. You cannot do anything with it. Rather what it means is on account of the meat, which is a divine offering, so that should permit the move the rest of the Korban Pesach. That was, this is the way now the Gemara is understanding the challenge that we're making to Rabbi Shmuel. The Gemara says, even that is not good enough. Midami, how can you compare them? In the case of the Torah scroll, it was a basis, it was a basis to both. To some it was forbidden was the money, and some it was permitted, which was the scroll. So on those bases, you can say that the money didn't override the Torah scroll and made everything forbidden. But here, the entire everything, the hide, is a basis to, to the meat, which is also forbidden. So, Rabbi Shmuel, no, it's not, no, it's not Rabbi Shmuel, <laughs> the Gemora is saying that cannot be the way to understand the back and forth between the Chachamim and Rabbi Shmuel. So, the Gemora tries a new, a new intent. Ela Achi Amarle. Rather, this must be what the rabbis told Rabbi Shmuel. Now, the Gemara comes with a complete new understanding, and we're going to see in the continuation from where do they get such an alaha. At this stage, the Gemara assumes that a person may bring a container containing only money from elsewhere in order to save the Sefer Torah. So, when the Mishnah said you can take out the Sefer Torah with a container and even though it has money, that would include even a case, as I just read. <laughs> you take a different container, nothing to do with this scroll, well, somewhere, somewhere else, that container had some money, and you bring it, you put in the scroll, and you take it out. Like that, you see, it's completely similar to the Korban Pesach. Should we therefore not also permit to move the hide in account of the meat? If we're comparing these both things. Says the Gemara, but hold on. <laughs> From where do you get this new alaha? 
that a person will be permitted to bring a different container with money to save the Torah scroll. Ilaima mide eicha de isbe lo shadi shadi leo. If you will say that since where there is money in the container, in the simple case of the Mishnah, together with the scroll, that the Mishnah permits to move both of them, so so from that case, you can infer also the new one that you just told me, that you can bring a container that had money, but didn't have a scroll, and use it to take out the scroll. So the Gemara, how can you deduce such a new case? How can you compare them? Awesome. In the case of the Mishnah, that there's a permission to carry the container together with money is because if we wouldn't permit that, in the midnight, the fire will catch into the scroll. So that's why in the case of the Mishnah, when the, everything is already inside of the container, the scroll and the money, Chachami said, just get everything out of here before it gets burned. But aha, but in your case, that you want to say it's also included in the same halacha. A person that is just carrying a different container that only had money. So on its way to put the scroll inside, he can just tilt the container and let all the money fly into the floor and then put the Sefer Torah. In the case of the Mishnah, when the scroll is already inside of the container, it's difficult to do such a thing, because if you just turn it upside down or whatever, so the scroll might also go flying. In that situation, the Chagin said, just get everything out. But if you're telling me a second case, as I just explained, that's not difficult to do. So don't tell me that when the Mishnah permitted the case that we spoke explicitly, it would include this second case, just because you want to fit it exactly to compare it to the Korban Pesach. So the Gemara again rejects this trial. Ella, okay, tough cookies over here. Ella Amar Marbarab Ashi. A new answer. Mekora. So you know what? We are going to have to go back to the very original way that we were learning what was the answer of the rabbis to Rabbi Shmuel. There weren't two different aspects because we wanted to fit our Mishnah this Mukse, maybe with a, some problem with Mukse of the Korban Pesach. Says the Gemara, that's not the case. We're going back to the simple case when we want to bring a proof from the Mishnah of Mukse to the Korban Pesach from the Torah. How can, how can we do such a thing? When you objected that how can I bring a comparison from a mukse that is only the Rabbanan, that in that case is permitted, to tell me also in the case of the Korban Pesach that is Mamesh Melacha and therefore should be forbidden. So really what the Chachamim were saying, Kegon de lo Leor, they were discussing in a case that the person is fleeing, f uh, fleeing the, the hide 
but he wants to use the hide for anything. So according from the Torah, we're going to see soon why. That is not a melacha. That would be permitted. The only prohibition would be to take completely down the hide of the Korban Pesach if you also want to use the hide for something else. Then you're skinning the animal, which is one of the 39 melachos. But if that's not your intention, your intention is just to bring it down either for the animal, not to the, the, the flesh, not to rot. Or, as Robbie said, not to look like a animal just in the middle of the road over there, which is a disgrace for the Corbanos. If you don't want the hide, then from the Torah, you are not doing any melacha. And on that, the Chochami will bring in the proof from the Mishnah. If it's only a problem, the Rabbanan. So if we say from the Mishnah, in such a case, the Rabbanan permitted to do things. The Gemara says, but hold on. If you're telling me because uh, he doesn't want the hide, that Abayi Verov, the Amitar Bayu, but Abayi and Rabbi both said, Mother Rabbi Shimon, Bepsik Reisha, Veloyamus. Rabbi Shimon concedes that in a case, even if his enum is covered, if the person doesn't intend the result of the Melacha, but if it's inevitable that's going to happen, psik reisha, then it's forbidden. We saw it this many times. Look in the footnotes that they bring a question that really this is not a case of psik reisha. In the footnote number eight, they say psik reisha is when you're doing a different act. Let me give an example of opening the fridge. You left the lights inside of your fridge on and you need to take out your food for the meal from the fridge. Now, if you open the fridge, the light is going to go on. So even if you have no cabana, if your intent is not for the light to go on, your intent is to take out the food, psikresha means you're going to do an action for a different intention, but that is going to also operate and other aspect, even though you don't want it, that for sure is going to happen. That is enemy's cabin, psikresha. They ask the question over here, it's not like a second type of action that is going to have a consequence. This is the action. You're, you're bringing down the hide. That's what you're doing. How can you say enemy's cabin over there? Well, the, the Rishoni mask, the, the real issue over here is melacha sheina tzicha legufa is a melacha but not for the intention of the melacha like taking out a corpse from your house to the public domain is exactly you're doing the melacha but you don't want that result you don't want to do outside you don't want to take out things because you need it outside you don't need the person inside of the house that's what you're taking it out that is called Melacha Shena Gufa. So that is a question. They don't actually bring the answer, but it's just something to give us clarity on Ilhos Shabbos. The Gemara answers the Shakile Bebarze. Yeah, so whether in the case, when he's removing the hide, he does this in strips. So he cuts it in small strips. 
So he's destroying the hide. In that way, for sure, he cannot use it. And Enum is Kaden, he doesn't even want it. And in that case, it's only Medorabanan. And that is the case that the Chachamim were telling Rabbi Shmuel that that should be permitted to do. Okay, let's move on. So the last part of the Mishnah said, Leichan Matzili Noisan. So there was a, an argument in the Mishnah to where can these uh, books be taken out? So the Mishnah brought two opinions. One of them was Rabbanan, the sages, has to be an, to an, an open Mavoy. Mavoy is like a small street. Normally it means when it's an, an open, a dead end street that has the two sides of the street and at the end also houses you cannot go anywhere further down. Well, according to Ben Beseira, to an open Mavoy, to even an open place. So the Gimwar is going to ask, Look in the footnote number 11 that the Gimwar understands that it's difficult to take its face value from the outset to say that according to Ben Beseira, would be no problem just taking out to, to, to a place completely open? So that's why the Gemara is asking the question. And we're going to see three answers. The first one, Amar Avchise, Shalosh Mechitos Veshnei Lechayin, Lechayin, Zeu Mavoy Shenu Mefolash. If the Mavoy, again, Mavoy means like a, a corridor, like a small street. If this Mavoy has three walls and two lehis, which is posts, on each side of the entrance, that is the case of the Rabbanan, which is an, an open Mavoy. So there were many houses that all of them had openings towards this dead end street that it's close, enclosed from three sides. So at the side that people can get into them, you need to put two posts, one on each side of the entrance. And the reason for those two posts is to make it clear that you are differentiation between the Resho Sarabim, the public domain, and this little street. And besides that, there was also a requirement to make an Eruv. We spoke about it many times. To each, uh, each, each uh, house or group of houses going into the street, they need to contribute a loaf of bread. And then they would put them together in one of the houses. And this looked like, like we have here in Johannesburg is an Eruv. And therefore, by doing both things, the, the, the markation at the entrance of the street and the Eruv, then we consider everything clearly, even though already from the Torah is a Reshu Sayahid, but by you doing these two things is, go, is more like a consideration that everything is one property. And rabbinically, like that, you can transfer from one to another. So according to this opinion of Giza, this is what it needs to be 
according to the Rabbanan, in order to be able to save the Torah scroll from the place that is getting burned and bring into the street. And according to Ben Beseira, would be, and let's keep on reading, and according to Ben Beseira, the second opinion would be it's the same thing, three walls, but instead of two posts, two lechis, only one lechi on one of the sides, that would be an open mavoy. So obviously, according to Ben Beseira, also they wouldn't have an eruv. So it's not a hundred percent of a demarcation of a clear separation. You don't have an eruv, but because of the need for the sefer not to get burned, so you can take it out like that. And continues Rav Chiza, the Sarvayo Oliva de Rabbi Eliezer. And we're going to see there's many opinions at the end of this Mavoy, what needs to be there to permit people carrying, transferring. And we're going to follow, according to Rav Chiza, our Mishnah follows Rabbi Eliezer. There's none. Look in the following Mishnah. Echshel Mavoy. In order to this mavoy, to this street, to be okay, to be able to carry, so what has to do? According to Beishamayomrim, lechi vekoira. You have to put either a post, you have to put both. You need to have a, a lechi, a post, vertical, and a kora, horizontal, a cross beam, at the entrance of the street. According to Beisilel, you, you don't need both. You can choose either one post vertical or the cross beam horizontal. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, according to Rabbi Eliezer, no. You need two lechis at the entrance of the street. So this is the most stringent, it's a little bit similar to Beit Shammai. But according to him, you need two lechis. Bechama would be one lechi and one cross uh, bar. He would be two lechis. So this is according to Rav Chisa. According to Ravanan, has to be a proper enclosure, according to Rav Eliezer. And according to Membeisera, even if you don't have two, even if you only have one, that would be okay. Omar and Rav. Rav challenge. How Rav Chiz explained the Mishnah. Says, Shalosh mechitzos velechichad mefolash. Chrysler is you're telling me that Ben Beseira's case, there's three sides that are closed, and at the entrance you have one post. And you want to tell me that according to Ben Beseira, that is an open mavoy? They all. And a second question. If according to you, the, the requirements for the Chachamim is completely like Rabbi Eliezer, three sides closed and two lechis, two posts at the entrance, so the way you're presenting it, presenting it we have to assume that also they did an Eruv. So if you're talking 
a street with an Erev and everything, so why should it be forbidden? Why should it only be permitted to take the Torah scroll? Rashi the Mishnah in one to, in one hundred twenty Daf one twenty is going to say is going to say that foods and drinks you wouldn't be allowed to take out to that Maboy. So why not? If it's an alachit complete Maboy with an Erev and the, the whole thing, why why only a sefer Torah not food? So says uh, Rabbi, that cannot be the explanation of the Mishnah. El Amar Rabbi, rather says Rabbi, Shtei mechitzos u'shnei lechayin zeu mavoy shenu mefulash. No, instead of telling me that we are in a case of our Mishnah of three sides of the street closed, no, it's only two sides of the street. And one, one of the sides has a mavoy. No, I'm sorry. And there has two lechis, two posts. This is the opinion of Chachamim. So, two facing walls, and then two lechis, one at each, at each side of the entrance. And this, according to Chachamim, is going to be good enough. We're going to see soon according to which opinion. And then, Ben Beseira holds. The opinion, lenient opinion of Ben Beseira, instead of having two lechis, you only have one lechi. You have the two streets, the two sides of the street closed, but either one lechi at the entrance of this side or at the entrance of that side. And not as you wanted to say, Rabhiza. They're following the stringent opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. No, they're following the most of the lenient opinions, which is Rabbi Yehuda. We're going to see soon that Yeshua Ken, the Tanya. There's a brisa that says Yeshua Ken, Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Even on top of this, Rabbi Yehuda added, Somebody has two houses facing one another on opposite sides of the public domain. A person can make a lehi, a post, in one end of the houses, and then one lehi, one post, in the other end of the houses, or either a standing post or a kora, which is a crossbeam in, in, uh, in both sides. And with that, he's already permitted to carry in between the two houses. So according to Rabbi Yuda, this is the most lenient opinion. Amlulu Chachamim, Chachamim disagree with Rabbi Yuda. And they told him, En meardin reshus arabi mekach. No, Rabbi Yuda, what you're talking about is almost like Mamesh reshus arabi, a public domain. So you just have two, two enclosures and two sides completely open and just put lechis over there. It doesn't work. But According to Rava, our Mishnah, both the Rabbis of our Mishnah and Ben Becerra of our Mishnah, they hold like Rabbi Yuda. And the only difference is if you need two lechis, as Rabbi Yuda holds in the outset, you need or not. So according to Ben Becerra, even one lechi is enough, meaning to say rabbinically, even according to Rabbi Yuda, it wouldn't be permitted to carry there because there's not enough of recognition that this is a Reshus Ayahi, the street. 
But since, according to the Torah, is not a complete Reshus Arabim, is not a complete public domain, so Ben Becerra said to save the Sefer Torah, they permitted to take it out to that street. Here comes Abaye to challenge Rabba. Omale Abaye. Listen, Rabbi, the way you are presenting the Mishnah is not different in not different in essence, in content, as Rabhiza did previously. Because you're also presenting a scenario that the, the, according to the Alaha, it would be permitted to carry into that. Like according to the Rabbanan, the follow Rabbi Yuda is two, two sides of the street close, but two lechis. So then, according to you, we must say that was also an Eruv over there. So everything is okay, according to Rabbi Yuda. If that is the case, so why only a Sefer Torah? They should also be able to take out to this Mavoy food and beverages. So according to Rabba, according to Abaye, you didn't gain anything in your answer. Rather, Elam Rabashi, that Rabashi comes back to say, Shalosh Mechitz Velechi Echad The case of our Mishnah is like this. According to the Rabbanan, which is the first opinion of the Mishnah, we're talking three walls and one Lechi. And that is called an, an open Mavoy. And shalosh mechitzos below lechi, and the three walls without no post, that is what you call an open mavoi. And even according to the stringent opinion of Rabbi Eliezer, that according to him, in order to carry into that mavoi, you need two posts. Nevertheless, this is only to be able to take out food and beverages that would be a completely permissible maboy that with an eruv and two paws you can transfer no problem. But regarding one sefer toira, even according to Rabeliezer, that it's missing one, uh, 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 meaning to say, the Chachamim, according to Ben Becerra, for sure, is not, not a complete Eruv. But even according to the Chachamim, that they would follow Rabbi Eliezer, that you would need two Mavois, uh, two posts. But in this case, even with one, in, for the sake of saving the Sefer Torah, you were able to take it out. So look in the footnote number two, that... This explanation is following the Chachamim, the Chachamim of our Mishnah. And Ravashi explained that even according to the Rabbanan, they don't require the Mavoy to be fully adjusted, as the previous two opinions. And therefore, also not Shituf, which means no Eruf was made. In other words, rabbinically, it would be forbidden to take into that Mavoy. But nevertheless, to save the Sefer Torah, they permitted to take it out in case of a fire. But in any case, they continue saying over here, Alaha is not like this in any case. Because Alaha doesn't follow Rabeliezer. We're not Mahmir, like Rabeliezer, to need two posts at the end of the 
Mavoy of the street. We follow Basilel, if you remember that Mishnah, that either one post or either the Kora. The only leniency with respect to Amavoy when setting the Torah, the Torah scroll is the fact that it doesn't have a shituf. In other words, Allah you can only bring out the Sefer Torah when it's, it's, it, otherwise it's in danger to get burned. You can only take it out if the situation of the street is in a way that according to Basile, which is Alaha, you would be permitted to take out there. Either there's, a po there's three sides of the street closed, and at the entrance either you have a post, a lehi, or you have a crossbeam. The only thing missing is the eruv, the bread. It's called shituf mevoot. The partnership between all the houses into the mavoi, that is what is missing. On that, they made the leniency that you cannot take out food. They made the leniency you can take out the scrolls, but you wouldn't be able to take out food or drinks because it's missing that shituf, it's missing that eruv. Okay, a new Mishnah. Says the Mishnah, oh, I just remember, I forgot to tell you something yesterday. So, the Mishnah said that um, the previous Mishnah, not the one we just finished, the previous one, that in the Shabbos, it wasn't permitted to read the writings, the Ksuvim. So, over there in the footnote, they bring something very interesting. That why, when we bench on Shabbos, we say Migdol Yeshuois, and when we bench during the week, we say Magdil. So, if you notice, the, the entire Shira, that is the Shira song that King David sang, but it's brought twice in the Tanakh. One time is brought in the Sefer Shmuel, at the end of the book of Shmuel, and again is brought in the Tehillim. But there's a difference. In the book of Shmuel is written Migdol, and in the book of, uh, in the Tehillim is got Magdil. So they bring some opinion that says that since on Shabbos it was forbidden to read the Ksuvim, we don't say Magdil because that is in the Tehillim, and they say Migdol, which is in Shmuel, which is the prophets. And that is a very cool thing. Now, anyway, the, 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 the rule that I heard is we always say Migdol in a day where we do Musaf. That's why we do it in Rosh Chodesh, we do it in Yontef, Cholamoyen, but I thought it's a beautiful insight. Okay, uh, the Mishnah. Matzilin Mazon Shalosudus. Another case where the place is getting burned and you need to take out food. So you might save enough food, bread, to eat three meals. And at the end of this side of the page, and tomorrow it's going to be the nice Gemara explaining the source that we have to eat three meals on Shabbos. So because there's a requirement to eat three meals on Shabbos, that is the amount that you can save, but not more. And the Gemara is going to ask, why not? If we're dealing in a place that you can take out even more, there's a complete eruv over here, and the food is not mukse, why only food for three meals? But that is a Mishnah.
and that is Arawi Leadam Leadam. Now, what is fit for people, depending the amount of people that in the household, that is the amount you take out for each one to have three meals. And what is fit for the animals, also you can save to feed the animals. Some opinions explain that, obviously, you know, the, when it says you take out for three meals, it doesn't include the animals, because the animals are not mitzube, they are not uh, commanded to eat three meals on Shabbos. But another explanation says, looking at the food very nicely, that you do. Why? We saw in Brachos that it's forbidden to eat before you feed your animals. So therefore, if you're about to eat three meals on Shabbos, each time you're about to eat, you need to feed your animals. So according to that opinion, even that requirement, or even that leniency, to take out food for three meals, that would include, include three meals of your animals also. Continues the Mishnah. Matzili mazon shalosudos, you can save, again, you can take out the food for three meals. Um, one second, yeah, skip a word. No, yeah, I, I skipped the beginning. Ketzar, the previous line. So, which is the circumstance of taking out for three meals? Nafra de Kabele Shabbos. If the fire broke on the night, on Friday night, and obviously before the person ate, Matilimazun Shaloshudus. That's when the Mishnah said, save enough food for three meals. Because that's what you need to eat. Now, if it was on Shachris that you had already eaten the previous night, the, the meal of the night, then you can take out Matzilin Mazon Seudos. You can take out for two meals, since that's the only thing that is left. And if the fire broke in the afternoon before you ate the Shalashudes, then you take out food only for that meal. Now, look over there in the footnote number four, something very nice. The Ashkol wrote that if the fire broke on Friday night, they said on top of the text, before the person ate. But then, in the, they said before the meal. Why did they make such a change? In one place explaining before he ate, and the second one before the meal. And they say something very interesting. I have to check it out if it's a lachle or not, but they say that in the middle of the night you fulfill the mitzvah even if you at any point of the night. But to fulfill the mitzvah of the middle of the day, that's only if you eat before chatzot. But if you eat after chatzot, then it's not considered the meal of the day. It's very interesting. And they bring that from Rashi, look in the footnotes. So that's why you can only save two meals if you're going to do the mitzvah of eating the day meal before chatzot. Otherwise, you can only take out for, for the meal of the afternoon. It's a very interesting thing. I never knew about it. But Rabbi Yossi, at the very end of the Mishnah, Oimer, Lola Matzili, Mason, Shalosh, Shudas. No. According to Rabbi Yossi, once they permit people to take out food for three meals, so it doesn't matter what time of the day it happened. Even if you only need for one meal, you're already in the afternoon of Shabbos, once there's a refuse to take out for three meals, you can always take out for three meals.
So the Gemara is going to ask the question. Mihdi. Let's go into the Gemara. Let's, let's see. Beitera Ketorach. The person is taking out food with a complete permission. Right? It's permissible. The food is not even mukse. And he's taking out to a place that is properly with an eruv. So needs old faith. Why did the Mishnah limit only the food for three meals? Take out whatever you want to take out. So Amarov Rove says, you know why? Mitok Shalam Bahulan Mamoinoi. When there's a fire happening and the person is very in turmoil over that he's going to lose his property. So then he gets very distracted. And if you permit him to save everything, he's going to end up extinguishing the fire. By limiting, I'm reading the end of the footnote number six, by limiting the amount that he can remove to that need of the Shabbos. So with this, it's like a reminder and the person slows down and therefore he only takes whatever is permitted on Shabbos and he doesn't try to put the fire off. Abaye is going to challenge Rabbi. Omale Abaye. Ela de Sanya. But according to you, Rabbi, how, you, how do you understand the following um, Brisa? The Brisa says the following. Nishvera lo chavis berosh gagoy. A person had a barrel of wine in his roof and it broke on Shabbos. So the Brisa says, maybe He can only bring a vessel and place it in beneath, place it beneath the barrel. He is only permitted one vessel, one container, and whatever he can rescue with that one container, that's that's what he can. Provided he doesn't bring a second vessel and catch the one in the middle, or clear or a second vessel to hold it at the level of the roof to collect even more wine. This is the Chachamim. So it says Abaye to Robe, awesome, Mike Zeraika. So according to you, Robe, that we don't allow people to take out more food, they might end up putting the fire off. Over here, in case of the barrel that broke, what if, we're not thinking there's a fire over here. So why, do, why couldn't he bring more vessels to catch more wine? So says the Gemara, so Rabbi answers, Ahanami, no, there's a reason also over here. No, if you permit him to bring more than one vessel, he might also forget that he's Shabbos, and he's going to start bringing out more and more vessels from the public domain into his private domain and breaking Shabbos by that. But if you limit that he can only put one vessel, that reminds him of the Shabbos, and therefore he won't come to break Shabbos. Okay? Since Abaye quoted this Brisa, the Gemara is going to quote the entire Brisa. Gufa. Let's see that Brisa. Nishmer is Berosh Gago. If a barrel that is filled with wine broke in one's rooftop, maybe clearly, as we just read previously, he can bring a vessel, and he places it beneath the barrel in the courtyard below to save the wine. 
Provide him and bring another vessel to catch the wine, either in the middle or or another vessel and hold it and level with the roof. Nizam Lorhin. Now, if he has guests coming to him, maybe clear Then he has the permission to bring a second vessel because he also needs to feed wine to the guests. As long as he doesn't first fill up a second vessel and then he goes and calls a guest. Rather, he should first invite the guest and only afterwards he can bring a second vessel to collect more wine. Then, and the Mishnah says, the Brisa says, a person must not employ a, like a cheating. He, he, he cannot make believe in this matter. He might not have a pre, as a pretext in thy guest from whom he has already dined, and they're gonna, they, they, he cannot bring guests that they already ate and just coming for him to save the wine, and anyway, they won't drink much wine because they already ate. You cannot do that. If you really, if you really have guests, okay, save more wine. If you don't have real guests that are going to eat with you, don't save more wine. This is the Tanakama. One Mishum, Rabbi Yossi bar Amru Marimim. Rabbi Yossi bar says, no, you can also employ over here like a little bit of a trick and just bring people even though they already ate. But like that, you can save more wine. Okay, so this is the price. The Gemara says, We're going to see a second argument. And the Gemara is trying to match the maybe this first argument that according to the first opinion of the rabbis, you cannot cheat. But according to Rabbi Yossi Bar Yudha, you can. Maybe they take sides in the following argument. The Sanya, there's a Brisa that says, A person had an animal and the child, you know, call it child, the offspring of that animal also fell together with the mother into a pit. So, on Yontef. So, what is the problem over here? That you, the animal would be mukse, unless you're going to shecht it to eat it on Yontef, which you can. But there's a problem, there's a Torah prohibition to shecht the same day the mother and the child and their offspring. You can't. So, what would give you permission to take out both animals? You can only take one. Once you take one that you're going to shecht, the other one is going to be muksa because you cannot, you cannot shecht both of them in the same day. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, you can bring one in order to slaughter it. But the second one, you cannot bring it up out of the pit. So you provide su- sufficient food for him to eat in the pit for the animal in the pit not to die. But Rabbi Shua is Molini and Rabbi Shua is First, you bring up the first animal with the intention to do shechita to it. But you are not required 
to slaughter it. Umarim, and then you can employ like a trick and make believe you change your mind. Umarim Sosheini, and then you bring up the second one. And after both animals are up, then you can decide which one you want to slaughter. And look in the footnotes, according, according to some Mephoshim, you can even not slaughter any of them. So says the Gemara, can we say that these two sides also parallel the previous two sides? That the, Rom- the Romanen over there, they are stringent regarding the wine, are going to go like Rabbi Eliezer, that is stringent the, regarding the animal. But Rabbi Yosef Bar Yehuda, that is lenient, he's following Rabbi Yeshua, that he's lenient. Says the Gemara Mimai, no. You cannot match both arguments. Perhaps Rabbi Eliezer, in the case of the animals, was stringent. Why? Because you can feed the second animal in the pit. And then after Yontav, you take it out. But in the case of the wine, that if you don't do something, you're going to lose, that it's going to spill to the street. Maybe in that case, Rabbi Eliezer would agree with Rabbi Yosef Bar Yehuda that you can bring guests in a little bit trick fashion to save more wine. That cannot come out Rabbi Yeshua and also the other way around. We could say that regarding Rabbi Yeshua, he wasn't lenient in the case only in the case of the animals because of the mitzvah of Tzar Balechaim that we should, we should try to avoid suffering from animals. So even though you can feed him in the pit, he's suffering. He might even end, he might even end up dying. So that's why according to Rabbi Yeshua, get the animal out by using this trick. But in our case of the wine that is not involving any animal, just the loss of the money of the wine, that wouldn't be a reason to be lenient. Okay, so we not don't connect this. Another rule regarding selling food from a fire. Tanabanan pas nekia ein pas adra. If a person if a person already said the amount of a bread for three meals with a good quality bread. Now he's not permitted to say, oh, you know what? I'm not in the mood having this nice bread. Let me go and get a bread that is called Adra. It's an euphemism. It really means it's not a a good, it's not a nice bread. But you know, many times the Chochamim, they don't want to use bad words. So they call it a nice bread. So says the Mishnah, the Braisa, if you already saved the bread for three meals with a very good quality type of bread, you are not permitted to say, you know what, Uh, I'm not in the mood of that bread, I'm going to go and save other type of bread of less quality, because it wouldn't make sense. But the other way around you can. If you initially only saved bread that it wasn't such a good quality, 
then you can say, you know what? I'd rather save bread of a good quality. So then you can go back and try to save a good quality bread. Again, we spoke about it a few pages ago. In the times of Adim, of witnesses, it could have been that Yom Kippur could have fallen either on a Friday or on a Sunday. Nowadays it doesn't happen. But in the time that that could, could happen, you might say food if the fire is in Yom Kippur and Yom Kippur is on a Friday, so you are permitted to break this the rabbinical uh, decree to take to a Mavoy without an Eruv on Yom Kippur, food you're going to need on Shabbos. Why? Because if you don't take out, you won't be able to eat on Shabbos. So, and we may save food on Yom Kippur for Shabbos when Yom Kippur is on a Friday. But you cannot save, it was the other way around. If Yom Kippur was on a Sunday, you couldn't save, you couldn't break Shabbos to take out food for Sunday night when Yom Kippur is over. Because once Yom Kippur is over, you can cook, you can bake. And it's needless to say, also you cannot save food, bread, from Shabbos to Yontev, because in Yontev you can bake. If Yontev is on a Sunday, you can bake. And all the more so, you cannot from one Shabbos to the next week's Shabbos. You have a whole week in between to bake. Okay. Says the Braisa, Tanrabanan, Shachach Paz Betanur. If somebody was baking bread on an oven late Friday afternoon, it's interesting. This happened to us just last Friday. Uh, my wife was super busy and she baked late in the afternoon Friday. And then we did the early Kabbalah Shabbos. So we started the meal very early. It was the freshest challah I ever ate in my life. It was an hour after it came out fresh out of the oven. So somebody's doing that on Shabbos, uh, on Friday, but he forgot that the bread was still in the oven when Shabbos started. Now, Chachamim made a gzera that once Shabbos starts, a person is not permitted to take uh, the bread out of the oven if it was just beginning to, if it was there for, for the purpose of baking. We, we learn in the Perek Shlishi, you can do Shio, Hazara, you can take out from, from a cover, stove, thing like that. But when you were properly, pro, properly baking, Chachamin said, you're not allowed to let bake into Shabbos, and then on Shabbos just take it out. But what happened if you forgot? Okay? Shachach Paz one forgot bread in the oven. Bekidish al Yom, and then Shabbos started already. Shabbos started. Matilim Mazon Shalosud. The same Allah applies. The person can only take out of the oven enough bread for three meals for the number of people they're going to eat. But he can then call also other people and tell them, come guys and save bread for yourselves. So, as long as you have people that are going to eat that bread on Shabbos, three meals, you can take more. 
But when it comes to remove the bread from the oven, he wouldn't use he cannot use the normal way of doing it, which is a baker's a baker's paddle. That would be the normal way to do it, rather with a knife. The Gemara says, Any, why couldn't he take out the bread in a normal way with a paddle? That Anandevar Ishmael, a student of the Academy of Rabbi Ishmael, taught. It says in the Torah, You cannot do any labor. But labor comes to exclude This comes to exclude, meaning to say, it would be permitted blowing the shofar and removing bread from a oven because that is not melacha, that is an art. So, why would you tell me that the Chochamim over here wouldn't allow him to take the bread in a normal way? If in any case they give an eter to take out the bread, let him take it in a normal way. There's no gzeira not to use that. So says the Gemara, Karen, somebody's in the door. Uh, says the Gemara, you're right. It's not like a rabbinical prohibition. Somebody's singing over there. It's not a rabbinical prohibition. It's just that as much as you can do things with the liver of a shinui in a different way, so do it like that, just to differentiate, to make it noticeable that. Otherwise, you would you would have not been doing it. Okay. Now uh, we're gonna just until the end of the daf today go through very nice teachings regarding Shabbos. Omar lolam yashkim adam Shabbos. A man should always uh, rise early on a Friday morning and go and shop lichvot Shabbos. Shenemar because when uh, the Jewish people started keeping Shabbos, Moshe Rabbeinu told them, On the sixth day, you shall prepare that which they bring. Meaning to say, we know on Friday would fall double portion of man. So Moshe Rabbeinu told them, bring it and prepare it for the next day. So look in the footnote, it's a bit of a Ekesh. We compare two words in the verse. That is, uh, prepare that which you brought. And we know they would only bring the man early in the morning. And the Pasuk says, when you bring it, prepare it. So this implies the altar immediately. So same thing, even though today we don't go out for the man, but we should go out and buy everything is required for Shabbos. Early. Amar Rabbi Abba, the Shabbos chayvan am litzva ashtei kikoros. We know this on Shabbos a person is obligated to break the bread using two loaves of bread of challah. Nixir lechem mishne because the pasuk the Torah calls the bread of Shabbos a double portion, and like this, it's a reminder of the miracle that the Jewish people got a double portion of man on a Friday. Amar Abashi. I saw when Rav Kana was making a motion on Shabbos, 
he would hold the two loaves, but he only would break, he only would cut and eat one of them. And Amman, he will explain why. Lactuxir, it says that they would gather a double portion on Shabbos. It doesn't say that they broke, that they ate the double portion. So it's enough just to hold two loaves to, as a symbol to remember that miracle. Now the Gemara is going to end up today's daf with something we saw, something we already saw in Brachos. Ravizeira adavatsa akule shiriusa. Ravizeira would break uh, when he made the amotzi on Friday, not only like a, a thin slice of challah or bread, rather a gezunt, a big slice of bread for the entire meal of Shabbos. And like that, he would do it to show his love for Shabbos that he intended to eat more to honor Shabbos. Omar Rabina Rabashi, but Rabina said to Rabashi, Rea Mirzi Keravetanusa. But this gives impression as a person, he's like a gluten, he eats too much. Omar Le, he answered to him, No, Kevin, the Holy Avaluavin, since any other day of the week. He doesn't do that. And now he's doing that. Lo Mirzi Keravetanusa. So everybody knows she's not because he's a glutton, rather because he wants to be Mechadet Shabbos. Rabbi Amir Rabbi Yassi, Miklaleo Refta de Eruba, when Rabbi Amir Rabasi, they, so they explained in the footnote, we just spoke about it previously, that they would make an Eruv, they would make a, a they had a, all the different houses, all different courtyards into the same street, they would, each one participate to have a loaf of bread to so they, they would carry. Now that, that bread is called the, the, the bread of the Eruv or the bread of the Shituv. But once Shabbos starts, it's already permitted to eat the bread because you already alachically, symbolically united all the houses, all the courtyards. So when, when and, and every week they took turns who with in which house will the bread remain? So the Gemara says that when it was the turn of Raviami and Raviasi, that the <coughs> bread would be with them, Sharo <coughs> Ilovei, they would use it <coughs> for the meal <coughs> of Shabbos. Amri, <coughs> they would say, sorry, <coughs> they would say, Oil Visavedve Hadamitva. Since already a mitzvah happened to it, which means we already use this bread for the Eruv, let's use it for a second mitzvah. Let's stop it here today and start from this point tomorrow with the whole Indian of Shalashudas.